0: Two down in the ninth. It's bumbgoner. Throw Robinson waits. Here comes the pitch. High drive. Left field. It is out of here. Number 600 for Ken Griffey Jr. I don't believe what I just saw. Barry grab behind the Back flip to second. On the first, a double play. <laughs> Incredible. Swing. Are you ready to talk baseball? Well, step up to the plate. You're listening to Passion for the Pastime. And here's your host, Walter. Hey, how's it going, everybody? And welcome back to the off-season edition of the podcast. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, and being healthy out there. Hell, we have made it to November, guys. We, we've we made it to November. It seems like this season, everything that has happened in this year was just within a blink of an eye, but yeah, we're in November. We are a couple weeks away from Thanksgiving. And let me just tell you, I don't know how everyone else is doing out there. Hopefully you're doing good. I'm doing good too. I'm not going to say I'm not doing good. But <laughs> I don't know how you guys have have, uh, have done it through COVID. But I feel like I have gained a lot of weight. I put on a lot of COVID weight. Uh, I don't know if everyone else out there can, can, uh, can feel my, my pain there. Uh, and then now we have Thanksgiving coming up in a couple of weeks. I'm not ready for that, man. I'm not. I'm definitely not ready. Uh, but this year is just going by super quick, and yeah, we're in November. It's it's kind of. It's a surreal thought. Like, the season, we got through it. It went all the way through the 60-game season champions, the Dodgers. uh, They went ahead and won it. Again, the 60-game season champions, not the World Series champions. Just throwing that out there. They didn't have a parade. It never happened. I'm just saying. (laughs) But, uh, you know, we got through all of that. And that's just more than I really anticipated us getting through. You know, as the fan, as a consumer, I I just did not see – the 2020 baseball season starting, it started, so I was number one, right? I, I was excited for that, but then as soon as everything went down with with COVID and uh, and everything like that at the beginning of the year with the Marlins, I just I lost all hope. But then we just kept going, kept going, pushing through. And we got to the end. And now we're in November. We're getting closer to winter meetings time. Now, this is the off-season time where you feel like there may not be a lot of things going on in baseball. But you have to really look between the lines. And there's a lot of things actually going on in baseball. And if you guys haven't really paid attention since the uh, COVID World Series, the 60 game championship game. I'm just going to say that (laughs) if you guys haven't been paying attention since then, I mean, we've had a lot of managerial changes. We'll talk about that in this podcast and it's award season, right? With everything going on in the election, maybe some of this stuff and rightfully so because Manfred baseball, they just don't know what the hell they're doing. I mean, they go out there and they release the winners of the gold gloves On Super Tuesday when everyone is voting for arguably one of the biggest elections in recent history and they released the gold gloves. I didn't even realize that the gold gloves were released until I looked at my phone and my notification, which was much after it was released. I think it was actually the day after I realized that the gold gloves were released. It's like, come on baseball. Like you, you need to really, really just put on your thinking cap a little bit here. And not put out the gold glove when no one is paying attention to it. I mean, they try to find ways to stay relevant in the off season, and I feel like baseball is one of the worst in doing that. Base uh, football, I mean, football is fantastic with it. Basketball, I guess, is getting a little better, but not, but not really. I mean, there and this year there's not even going to be an off season for basketball. I mean, we're getting we're gonna get the draft and then. Two, three weeks later, we got basketball kicking off, uh, tipping off, I should say, in uh, December 22nd. So, yeah, the basketball doesn't even have to worry about an offseason. But, you know, when you look at baseball, there's a long layover from the end of October to the beginning of spring training, which it depends when you want to really say, when the beginning of spring training is. If it's when pitchers and catchers report, if it's when the games start, whatever whatever you decide is for you. But, I mean, for me, it's whenever there's somebody on a baseball diamond. And in Arizona, in Florida, that's what I consider to be the start of spring training. And the offseason is just very slow. They have the, the winter meetings, which in recent years, it has been meant to really gain a lot of traction, a lot of, you know, storylines, a lot of trades. This is where things are supposed to go down. But the last couple of years, it just hasn't been that. It just hasn't been that. Um, and then now you get the the uh, the winter meetings pretty much being held virtually. It won't be a in-person meeting per se. So it's going to have a different feel to it. You're not going to see, uh, you know, these players, uh, managers, GMs. You're not going to see these guys – walking around the halls in the background while you're watching MLB Network. So it's going to be very different. I'm not sure exactly how they're going to do it. But, you know, in the offseason, we do have some changes. We have managerial changes. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about the award season with the gold gloves because you most likely missed it as I almost missed it. So we'll talk about that a little bit. We got the Silver Slugger that was also released this past week with the election going on. I think a lot of people didn't really pay attention to it. So we'll talk about those. And then we do have some awards coming up this week. We have the American League Rookie of the Year, National League Rookie of the Year, the Cy Youngs, MVPs. We got all that coming up this week. And I'll give you that schedule uh, once we talk about it. And then we'll go in and dive into the winter meetings a little bit. We'll go ahead and look at what the big storylines are, who the big free agents are, and where they can possibly end up, and there's a lot of there's there's a lot of rumors out there. That's pretty much what the baseball offseason is. It's it's just rumors. Like we, we they're just making things up. Will Francisco Lindor finally get traded? I mean, we've been talking about that for about two two years now, two seasons, two off seasons. Uh, is Nolan Arenado going to get moved? Is is uh, Chris Bryant going to get moved? Those are all these these uh, rumors that are out there entering this 2020 style winter meeting. So we'll, we'll go ahead and talk about those. And then obviously as the winter meetings get closer, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, more storylines. But on this podcast, that's what we'll be talking about, talking about the awards, managers, everything like that. So let's go ahead and jump on into it. Let's start with the managerial changes, managerial hires that left a lot of people, scratching their heads, and I'm one of them. I I was very confused in what was happening. I didn't really know how to feel about it, mainly because the first two that come to mind when we're talking about managerial changes are guys that were linked to scandals. Yes, we're talking about the Astros, we're talking about the Red Sox. A.J. Hinch, we'll start with him. Right. What with both of them, Alex Cora, AJ Hinch, they're they're both rehired. Okay, AJ Hinch is coaching with, or I wouldn't say rehired, but AJ AJ Hinch is hired by a new team. He's not with the Astros, obviously. Dusty is there in Houston, but AJ Hinch he gets a second shot at a managerial career, and he's hired by the Detroit Tigers. Following the scandal. And he goes in there into, into the presser, and he's just like, well, you know, that's my history. That's not the, the Tigers' history. I don't want them to, to have to pay for it. Well, as that may be true, they decided to hire you. So for me, I'm just looking at that. I'm just like, okay, where are they morally, <laughs> right? Like, like uh, yeah, you cheated, but we don't give a damn. We think that you can get, do pretty good things for our club. The first thing though is that not even just talking morally because I mean everyone wants to be on this moral high ground whatever it, it it doesn't it doesn't matter to me. But to me I'm just like okay, he served the suspension wasn't even a full 162. I mean yeah, he he served the suspension for the 60 game season, but are we calling like are we calling it a season? It's 60 games. You got guys that that uh get hit with that for PEDs, like it's just, <laughs> and they're back out there uh, performing again. I just, I just don't understand it for for cheating. The manager, he's literally just served a sixty game season, sixty game suspension rather, and he's able to come back. Like, shouldn't it be a full one sixty two? I know he sat out a season. But is that what we're calling this? Are we calling 2020 a season? Because for me, I don't know. I feel like it was a cop-out. Obviously, I understand completely with what happened with COVID and everything like that. That's what this season has been. What this 60-game stretch was. But in terms of punishment, it was said to be suspended for the 2020 season. So I guess they didn't specify games, but I would just think that baseball wouldn't want to hold them to. Well, yeah, you got to be suspended for 162. That's what we meant, because that's when the initial punishment was given out was for 162. That was prior to COVID even uh, disrupting sports at that time. I believe. Uh, Actually, you know what? I'm trying to I'm trying to remember back now. When did AJ Hinch actually get? His suspension. What was it, pre-COVID or was it post-COVID? Because now, now I'm trying to now I'm trying to think about it. But regardless, he he's back, and so is Alex Cora. Alex Cora is actually back with the Red Sox. Rehired by the Red Sox. So what the hell, Red Sox? So why why'd you? I mean, did you just fire him? Just the fire him? And you knew you were gonna bring him back? I'm just. I don't I don't see the logic here. I, I really don't. I really don't see the logic. So, A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, apparently what is being shown to me and shown to fans all over uh, baseball is that cheating's okay. And, yeah, they can come back open arms. And I get that they served their sentence, but I feel like they got lucky, you know, with the circumstances. I don't know. Is it just me? Am I reading into it too much? Am I giving it am I caring too much about A.J. Hinch and Alice Cora? Probably. <laughs> Probably. I shouldn't I shouldn't be caring too much about those guys. But it's just it just scratches my head. I'm scratching my head with it. It's just I can't believe that they're actually really back. And and the fact that organizations, you know, cause cause they can go ahead and, you know. Organizations and leagues have done this before. They can blackball someone, right? To prove a point? But cheating, no, that's okay. We're not going to blackball them for that. But we'll, we'll blackball them for other things. It just, it's stupid. It really is. So A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, they're back in the dugout. Alex Cora with the Red Sox. A.J. Hinch with the Tigers, but the other one that really had me scratching my head was the hire of Tony Larusa. By the way, that whole situation with Rick Ranzeria, Rick Ranzeria is up for manager of the year. I don't know if he'll get it, but he's up for manager of the year. He got fired. But then, <laughs> oh, White Sox, after hearing the announcement of him being a candidate for manager of the year, put out there on their Twitter feed, hey, congratulations, Rick Ranzeria. congratulations we fired you but congratulations for your nomination i'm like that was just why why i mean i get it he's representing your your club (laughs) but it just it didn't look good i mean you have a manager of the year candidate and he's not even on your on your team anymore and you go out there and and congratulate him on twitter it's just like yeah that that's a that's a facepalm right there. Like that's that's not that isn't how it should look. Uh, definitely not. But hey, it is what it is. Renteria, he's out there. He'll probably get another job somewhere. I mean, he has to. But <laughs> so Tony Larusa is replacing a possible manager of the year. Tony Larusa is obviously one of the greatest. But he's 76 years old. He's returning to the dugout. Joins the White Sox, which could be, in my definition, the new wave of baseball. I think the other team that would be, I guess, considered the new wave of baseball would be San Diego with Fernando Tatis Jr. And we all remember we talked about it on the podcast when Fernando Tatis Jr., that whole situation of him hitting a grand slam on a 3-0 pitch with a 7-run lead in the 8th inning of a Padres win. That was back in August. One of the few highlights of the 60-game season. And La Russa, he took exception to that. Being that Fernando Tatis Jr. is one of the brightest stars in the game today. He hit the home run, 3-0 pitch. It was very controversial. I like it because I'm just saying, if you don't want a guy out there to give his all on every pitch, no matter the situation, then take him out of the damn game. That's That's all I'm saying. If you don't want him swinging at a pitch, yeah, whatever, etiquette, I don't care. You go out there to play the game. And that's what Fernando Tatis Jr. was doing. Now, La Russa, he took exception to this. And he says, and I quote, it's just not sportsmanlike. The way it was described to me was it's team against team. That's what our sport is with these very talented individuals matching up. What it isn't, though, is an exhibition of your talent. You swing at 3-0 in that game and you're up by seven, you're trying to drive in more runs. So that's what he said. He didn't like what Fernando Tatis Jr. did. Now, I, I bring that up is because, obviously, the, the White Sox don't have a Fernando Tatis Jr., but they have a lot of young talent on that team. The young talent in this in this game of baseball now, let the kids play. You know, they're pimping home runs, they're bat-flipping like crazy. I mean, they have the bat-flip king over there and Tim Anderson. What's Larusa going to do then when that happens? You know what I'm saying? That's, that's where I'm just like, I don't know if they're going to mash well together. I don't know if it's a good fit. Tim Anderson even goes on there talking about La Russa being his manager. He goes on and says, I won't change my style the way I play for Tony. And he went on to say, that won't happen. I will continue to be me. I always have and I always will be. We'll see what happens, I guess, if I do do a bat flip. You know damn well he's going to do a bat flip. He's the bat flip champion, okay? So (laughs) what's going to happen that first time that Tim Anderson pimps a home run, bat flips a home run? You know La doesn't get down that way. He is very old school. So it's an old school manager coming in to teach these new school guys how to play baseball. But they're playing baseball at a different level, a different criteria than what Tony La Russa was. Now, Tony La Russa carries a lot of weight. Will they listen? But I mean, is he going to expect them to change their whole demeanor? Because that's what makes the White Sox watchable. Is their demeanor, is the way that they play the game? So I don't, I don't know, I don't know how I feel about that, to be honest. But also in his introductory uh, press conference, he went on to say that he doesn't mind player celebrations because obviously that's going to be that's what the White Sox are. They're that. That's what I'm saying. The new wave of baseball. He said he doesn't mind player celebrations if they're quote unquote sincere and that he wants players to be passionately involved with the competition. Wasn't Fernando Tatis Jr. Involved in the competition. I don't know. I mean, I guess it's two, I guess it's two different things that you're looking at there. It's a bat flip and pitcher batter etiquette, but still, I would say that Fernando Tatis Jr. was passionately involved in with the competition. He's continuing to compete for his team, being up seven runs. He could be lazy and not and not do anything, not care, and have the other team catch up. That, I'm just I'm just saying it, it's. I, I don't get it. I really don't understand it. But that's what he says in the presser. We'll see what happens when we move forward. In the season, a lot of under uncertainty going into 2021 also. I mean, I don't even know when spring training is supposed to happen, if it's even a thing. I, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. But that's what's been going down. A lot of managerial changes, obviously. A.J. Hinch, Alex Cora, and then Tony La Russa. Those were the, the big headlines coming into the month of November. Now let's go ahead and switch on over to the gold glove conversation where maybe a lot of you like almost myself <laughs> may have missed the gold glove. And do you really even care? I, I I don't know. Do you care about the gold glove? Gold glove is really nice to, to see have on your resume as a player. And you know, when they, when they do the, uh, the graphics on TV, about who's in your defensive outfield. Or defensive team alignment. And you see the little gold glove next to it. It's pretty cool. It makes your team look look a little better. That's, that's all I'm saying there. But the gold gloves. They were they were given out. AL, NL. And a lot of first timers. A lot of actual um, Seattle Mariners players. In the infield. JP Crawford. Evan White. They got their first uh, gold gloves. But. Most notable on the American League side of things is Alex Gordon. Alex Gordon, by the way, has called it a career, the longtime royal. Uh, He got a gold glove in his final season, his eighth and final one. By the way, he also got the platinum glove. And we'll talk about the platinum glove when we get to it, when we talk about who got it in the National League. But he got a gold glove for the left field position, and he retired. So he went out on top. Great wait for Alex Gordon to go out. But most notable on the American League side, other than Gordon, obviously, is Luis Robert. Luis Robert, one of those guys that I'm talking about, is the new wave of baseball. Luis Robert, a Chicago White Sox, got his first gold glove in his rookie year. And he was the first rookie to win it. Since the guy that got the platinum glove and his eighth consecutive gold glove for the Rockies, Nolan Arenado. The first one since 2013. That's when little baby Nolan was a rookie. So he's the first rookie to receive the award since Nolan Arenado. So maybe we're looking at the next Nolan Arenado on the, on the American League side in the outfield, center field. So congratulations to Luis Robert. I love Luis Robert to see see him play. He's very entertaining. That's what I'm saying. Like, when you look at all these young guys, you look at Juan Soto, you look at Luis Robert, you look at uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., you look at Vlad Jr. I mean, a lot of juniors. <laughs> but you look at all these guys, um, and they just bring a, a different level of excitement when you're watching them. I mean it makes it makes baseball exciting for me anyway. It makes it exciting to watch again. And I could always watch baseball, but it's just they add that extra element, that extra flair, the the swag, you know, the swag that comes with them. Like Tim Anderson, he has swag for days. And Luis Robert, he he has that too. And he's probably learning it from uh from Tim Anderson. So uh Luis Robert, again, the highlight of the American League Now we'll look at the National League real quick. Anthony Rizzo gets his uh, third straight gold glove, his fourth in five years um, for first base. Then you go back to Nolan Arenado again. Like I said, uh, he got his eighth gold glove, eighth consecutive, which is the second longest streak in history, only behind the great Ichiro Suzuki, who has 10 straight. Gold gloves. So that's the longest. We'll see if Nolan Arenado can catch that. Um, but he does have the longest active streak of gold gloves among active players. Um, and the third longest all time among third basemen, only trailing Hall of Famers, Brooks Robinson, and Mike Schmidt. So that is great news for Nolan Arenado being that he is uh subject to Trade rumors, much like last year, and the and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. He has that contract. He can opt out after the 2021 season. He has an opt-out clause if he wants to do so. So that may make it a little bit more difficult um, for him to be traded. But also, it may have a little bit more incentive for the Rockies to opt out because there has been a lot of turmoil between the two uh, Nolan Arenado and the Rockies organization, so maybe they just want to get rid of him and and see if they can they can get something for him. Uh, but we'll talk about that when we get to it there. But the other notable in the National League is Mookie Betts. Mookie Betts switching leagues, but didn't matter. He got a a Gold Glove in the outfield and right field, and it's his fifth straight Gold Glove. So I believe he has the second active or second highest active streak among uh players so that's the gold glove talk i mean we have a whole bunch of them you guys can go ahead and look that up on mlb network we don't have to spend too much time talking about gold gloves javier baez by the way shout out got his first gold glove i i'm kind of shocked to hear that he got his first gold glove but javier baez gets his first and you guys can go ahead and look at the the full list on mlb network or wherever you find your 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 news that's where i get mine uh, so you guys can go ahead and, or MLB.com that is, not M- MLB Network. I guess you could watch MLB Network, but MLB.com. But the gold, the platinum glove is awarded also, right? And that is awarded to, the fans get to choose who the top defender is in each league. And they get to pick from the gold glove category of who was selected and they select from that list. Now, Nolan Arenado He received the Platinum Glove, and I already said Alex Gordon, he received the Platinum Glove. That is his second Platinum Glove of his career, Alex Gordon, 2014 and 2020. But Nolan Arenado, he gets his fourth consecutive, and he ties Yadier Molina for the most in either league of Platinum Gloves. And remember, the Platinum Glove only started in 2011, so there's only been a, a handful of Platinum Gloves being given out, so Nolan Arenado has four of them. Yadier Molina has four of them. So pretty much all of the platinum gloves in existence believe or uh, belong to Yadier Molina and Nolan Arenado for the most part. <laughs> so so that's that's how that goes down. Um, some more hardware to talk about, and then we'll get into the predictions of the big hardware. We do have the silver sluggers. Silver sluggers were given out. Again, baseball, just dropping the ball. They announced it during Thursday Night Football. Okay, people are watching Thursday Night Football. No, nobody, Nobody's going to pay attention unless you're not watching football. <laughs> and then it's still presidential election week, so people are not paying attention. I just don't get it. I, I really don't get it. Baseball is really just out, out of touch. I mean, they really are. The fact that Justin Turner... Doesn't get a uh, and this is just a sidebar. I'm just I'm just venting here about baseball and and how they just are so out of touch. They they don't even suspend or give any type of punishment to Justin Turner, who was knowingly and and willingly to go out there and play baseball knowing that he had COVID. It, it just what the hell? Like <laughs> I just really don't understand what baseball is doing. Uh, they're really trying to dig baseball into the ground, and that's. For me, that's all on Manfred. Manfred is a terrible... I don't know if there's ever been a more uh, worse commissioner. I really don't. I really don't. I mean, there's been bad ones. Everyone hates Roger Goodell, but... uh, I don't know. I really don't know. (laughs) I really don't know. But the Silver Sluggers, they were giving out... Uh, during Thursday night football and the presidential election week. So you probably missed that too. Jose Abreu, he gets his third uh, silver slugger for the American League, for the White Sox, another White Sox uh, that we talk about here on the podcast. Tim Anderson got his silver slugger for the White Sox. Fernando Tatis Jr. at the same position for the National League. He got his first silver slugger. Um, A lot of them being handed out there, and Mookie Betts, being one of them in the National League side. Actually, I love all those guys in the National League side. Mookie Betts, uh, Juan Soto, and Ronald Acuna. Obviously, uh, Mike Trout gets his his eighth, by the way, his eighth. That is a lot of Silver Sluggers there. But uh, Mike Trout wa- running away with that in the American League. So those are the Silver Sluggers. Obviously, there's a lot more. I didn't mention all of them, but you can go ahead and look at them if you would like. Uh, Donovan Solano, by the way, shout out Donovan Solano for the San Francisco Giants, uh, getting a silver slugger there, bringing home some hardware for the Giants. So 2020 wasn't all forgotten. Uh, he, he goes away with the second base silver slugger, along with DJ LeMahieu, which DJ LeMayhew may be out of New York. We'll talk about that when we get to the winner meeting portion. But now we're going to finish off the award season We have the finalists of the American League uh, Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and MVP. And then we'll go into the finalists for the National League Rookie of the Year, Cy Young, and MVP. And I'll give my prediction of who is going to win that. So number one is the American League Rookie of the Year. We have Christian Javier for the Houston Astros. You got Kyle Lewis for the Seattle Mariners. And you have Luis Robert, who is with the Chicago White Sox. We've talked about Luis Robert quite a bit on this podcast already, so you should know who he is and where he's from. <laughs> so my my prediction, I mean, when you look at all these guys, Kyle Lewis is one of those guys that was really tearing it up at the beginning of the year. I mean, he really had a lot of people turning their heads, really paying attention. Everyone was like, who the hell is this Kyle Lewis guy uh, he hit 11 home runs, 28 RBIs, and he had an OPS of 800 that led all rookies with at least 150 at-bats. So he was doing, he he did his thing. He did pretty good, Um, and I feel like this is why there may be a little bit of wiggle room to where Kyle Lewis could walk away with it, but if I'm being realistic and I'm looking at Luis Roberts and the fact that he won a gold glove, I feel like a lot of people will be leaning towards Luis Robert because he is more of the household name, right? It's, it's politics. I mean, this is political season, right? It, Luis Robert, everyone knew who Luis Robert was prior to him even stepping onto the baseball diamond. Not a lot of people knew who Kyle Lewis was, me, myself included. But honestly, if I'm going just by the numbers, Luis Robert had a terrible September, as did a lot of the White Sox. They just completely just flatlined uh, towards the end of the season. But had it not been for that terrible month, Luis Robert would have ran away with it. No, No question. But because he had that terrible last month of the season, I feel like there's some wiggle room for Kyle Lewis to sneak on in there. But if you had to ask my honest opinion, I feel like it is still going to go to Luis Robert. He has the gold glove. Go ahead and give him that rookie of the year. And then years down the line, he may be in line for an MVP. So that's how I see that going down in the American league. The Cy Young award, which is a little bit easier. uh, If you ask me, I mean, just, just to be honest, Shane Bieber, he won the pitching triple crown. I don't see how he doesn't. Win the American League Cy Young. <laughs> I mean, if if anyone else uh doesn't see it that way, please let me know uh why you wouldn't give it to this guy. I mean, the tr- pitching triple crown doesn't happen all the time, <laughs> you know. And for Shane Bieber not to get it, being that he's the first one that did it since Justin Verlander, Verlander ran away with the Cy Young and the MVP. So I. I just don't. I mean, you have Kenzie Maeda, you have Ryu, They they had phenomenal years. Not to not to throw any shade, but when you're leading in all three pitching categories, I don't see how you lose it. So Shane Bieber for the Cleveland Indians. I feel like that's going to be a a the easiest uh, decision of any of the ballot takers. Uh, Shane Bieber running away with that AL Cy Young, the AL MVP, which. You know, I I felt that Shane Bieber should have been included. I mean, we just talked about him. The last one that won the Cy Young or the pitching triple crown was Verlander, and he won the MVP that year. Obviously, I feel like Verlander, he's more of a household name. Not a lot of people know about Shane Bieber unless you're, like, really into baseball, but Shane Bieber is the top of the class, if you ask me. I just don't see how he wasn't included in the AL MVP finalists. Not to, not to throw any shade to Jose Ramirez, but I much would have rather had the pitcher on Ramirez's team, the, the Cleveland Indians, much have rather had Shane Bieber in there battling it out with DJ LeMayhew and Jose Abreu. Now, that's, that's a conversation where some people feel that pitchers shouldn't win an MVP it's most valuable player, right? Um pitchers go out there every fifth day. So people feel, some people feel that a MVP should only be a positional player. They're out there every day, they have the most impact. But if you ask me, I mean hell, the the guy if the guy goes out there and he's automatic and he's winning you every single game, how is that not impactful? I mean, he's literally winning you games. The other guys may have, you know, two home run games in a 10 to 9 shutout or or 10 to 9 loss. You know what I mean? So so that's that's kind of it's iffy. I guess it depends on what side of of that conversation you're on. But I feel like it should go to the player no matter what position they are. I mean, hell, if it's a closer and they're lights out and they go out there all the damn time, then the closer should get it. The closer only gets in there in certain situations that could be argued. Well, he's not, he's not really doing anything, but if he goes out there and gets, gets you 54 saves or something like that, he's responsible for the, some of those wins. I mean, let's be realistic, especially if they're like really close too. so I don't, I don't know how you guys look at the MVP, but I just, I felt that Shane Bieber should be included in that. I really do. Um, of the three guys that are listed, Jose Abreu, DJ LeMayhew, and Jose Ramirez, my gut tells me that it will go to Jose Abreu. Um, bec- just because, I mean, you look at all of his numbers, he he was pretty pretty solid all year and you know you look at every, i mean you look at everyone else too everyone else was was pretty good um as well in that regard but when you look at the uh, the the numbers in the regular season of Jose Abreu Jose Abreu and DJ LeMahieu i mean LeMahieu obviously killed it in the batting average category he, he hits 3.64 um and Jose Abreu wasn't as high but he hit 3.17 and then you look at the home, home run numbers. Lemayhew had 10. Abreu had 19. Lemayhew only had 27 RBIs. And then you look at the 60 RBIs of Jose Abreu. I feel like that's a no-brainer. It would go to the, the big power bat. But when you look at the Yankees, yeah, he's probably the most valuable player on the Yankees. But when you compare him to Jose Abreu, I mean, Abreu knocked in 60 runs compared to, you know, he knocked in twice as much than DJ LeMayhew. So I'm going to go with Jose Abreu. Then we'll go ahead and look now at the National League side of things. National League Rookie of the Year. I'm going to keep this really short. I'm going to go with Alec Baum uh, for the Phillies because I feel like he had the better year. He had a shorter year compared to a lot of the other guys in this category. But when I look at it, I mean, he broke on the scene. He led all rookies uh, with at least 100 at-bats in batting average, on-base percentage, and slugging percentage. He leads all rookies in RBIs as well with 23, and that is with him playing less, 10 less games than the other Rookie of the Year candidate, Jake Cronenworth, for the Padres. So Cronenworth is up there as well. Devin Williams... He was actually pretty lights out when you with all things considered. I mean, if I had to really look and, and analyze uh, these guys, the, he, he's pretty he's he's deserving. I mean, not a lot of people can do what he did, and you know, for for the stretch of of relief appearances that he had, he pitched twenty seven innings with a .33 ERA. And that is pre- pretty good. And a jaw-dropping 53 Ks. So that is pretty good. If if it wasn't going to go to Alec Baum on the offensive side of things, I feel like offensive players have a little bit of an advantage in this category. But if not, Devin Williams of the Milwaukee Brewers is equally deserving. And 53 strikeouts, that's, <laughs> that's pretty damn good, if you ask me. The other... Pitching category, the National League Cy Young Award. Now, this one is a little bit of a toss-up for a lot of people. I feel like it's very simple when you look at who the candidates are. You have Trevor Bauer, you have Yu Darvish, and you have Jacob Degrom. When you look at uh, when you look at Trevor Bauer, I mean, Trevor Bauer pitched really good. He had he led the National League with a 1.73 ERA and struck out 100 batters over 73 innings. He allowed one earned run or fewer in eight of his 11 starts while striking out at least 12 batters in four of them. So this guy really had, I feel, the best year of his career. I mean, definitely of 2020. But when you look at all the other guys, I mean, it's it's you Darvish can be up there as well. Right? You Darvish, he went out there and was dealing. And You Darvish's numbers towards the end of the season, I mean, they weren't they weren't Trevor Bowers' numbers. But when you look at You Darvish, he was pretty good. He pitched uh he had a he had a 2.1 he had a 2.01 ERA, and he also had 93 strikeouts. So, I mean, it's it's decent. He, he obviously had more wins in, in comparison to Trevor Bauer, so it depends how much do you weigh, you know, each category, each pitching category. He had eight wins, which ties him for the most wins in baseball in 2020 ties him with Shane Bieber. Shane Bieber went 8 and 1, Yu Darvish went 8 and 3. So, Yu Darvish is equally deserving. And then you have Jacob deGrom, which again, I feel that Jacob deGrom is more of the name rather than I mean, he had a good season, don't get me wrong. But he only had 4 wins. I mean, he's less than all all of those guys. Every single one of them, Trevor Bauer and Udarvish. Darvish. He has the higher ERA, but he has four more strikeouts than Trevor Bauer. So take that. How you how you feel uh, that it suits you? But Jacob Degrom, I mean, he has that name. He carries that weight. But I feel like Trevor Bauer should run away with this for the for the Cincinnati Reds for the moment. For the moment, Cincinnati Reds. Trevor Bauer. We'll talk about him in a sec. Then we have the final category, the NL MVP with Mookie Betts. Freddie Freeman, and Manny Machado. And honestly, if you look at the numbers, and if you just look at the National League, Freddie Freeman, it depends how you look at it, but Freddie Freeman, I feel he had the better year of Mookie Betts and Manny Machado. Mookie Betts obviously brings to the table the defense, which you can't see... Statistically, you just, you know, I mean, there's there's some stats out there now, but you just know that Mookie Betts brings everything. I mean, he's a five-tool player. Mookie Betts had 16 home runs, 39 RBIs, 10 stolen bases, hit 292. Then you look at Manny Machado. Manny Machado also had 16 home runs. He had more RBIs than Mookie Betts with 47. And he had four less stolen bases with six. But he also hit better average-wise. And he hit three oh four. But his OPS, Manny Machado, was nine fifty in comparison to Mookie Betts, who was nine twenty-eight. So just in comparison of those guys, they're really similar. But then you go ahead and look at Freddie Freeman's numbers. And Freddie Freeman... He led the, or he didn't lead the National League, but he was second in the National League in batting average with 341, only behind Juan Soto. But you look at his OPS, 1.102. I mean, that, that is pretty damn good. And then you look at his RBIs. He had the most RBIs out of all of them, 53 RBIs. He had less home runs, but... He led the the National League and I believe all of baseball with twenty three doubles. So Freddie Freeman, I feel like Freddie Freeman should run away with this, but you have to factor in, and and I feel that all of these guys in the National League MVP conversation, I feel like all of these guys have the same argument. Mookie Betts, well. He had Corey Seager, he had Justin Turner, he had Cody Bellinger, he had all these guys around him. Mookie Betts, but then you look at Freddie Freeman. He had Marcelo Asuna. he had Ronald Acuna, <laughs> you know, he had uh, Ozzy Albie's. There's a lot of guys around him. You look at Manny Machado. He had Fernando Tatis Jr. So so it depends how much you want to penalize them for having good supporting cast around them. But if you're just looking at their numbers, I feel that Freddie Freeman should be the National League MVP. But again, the storyline of the year is the Dodgers, their redemption tour. They won the, you know, their their little trophy for the sixty game season. Maybe they give it to Mookie Betts. So that it all just it's all it's all Dodger love is is what MLB is trying to do because they can't figure out how to punish guys properly. Maybe that's what's going on, but we'll see all those awards, by the way, they will be coming out this week. Rookie of the year that will be announced Monday, November 9th. So later today. You got the managers of the year, which we didn't really talk about, but I'm not going to sit here and talk about managers, which, by the way, I mean, we talked about uh, Rick Renteria. One of those managers is Kevin Cash, and he can very well win manager of the year, and if he does, that would be hilarious. (laughs) That would be hilarious if he wins manager of the year because the move that he did in the World Series taking out Blake Snell is still talked about and will forever be talked about with analytics. No one likes it. But that—that's that's who uh, is going to be announced Tuesday, November 10th. Wednesday, November 11th, you got the Cy Young Awards. And then to finish off the week on Thursday, November 12th, you have the MVPs. You can find all that on MLB Network. They will be um, listing the winners or announcing the winners, rather, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 o'clock on the West Coast. So go ahead and watch that. And see if my predictions are right. See if the guys that you want to win end up going home with the hardware. Or I guess staying home with the hardware. Because I'm I'm assuming that it's gonna it's gonna be uh it's gonna be virtual. So we'll we'll see how all that goes. Speaking of virtual, by the way, the last segment of this podcast, and we'll wrap it up. Speaking of virtual, we're gonna have the virtual winter meetings. Again, there will be no physical meeting in person, but this wasn't really a shock. I mean, they've kind of been talking about it since August. It's not really official, or it wasn't official then, but now it is. Winter meetings, in-person meetings are canceled, but it doesn't necessarily mean that the offseason will be quiet. We've already had uh, Robbie Ray, who got traded to the Blue Jays. He already signed a one-year contract, so he was the first Free agent, first uh, player to be signed in the off season, but then now you look at the the rest of the of the field. You look at the rest of these guys. You look at Trevor Bauer. You got J.T. Realmuto. You got George Springer, Marcelo Suna. Marcus Simeon, DJ LeMayhew. Liam Hendricks. A lot of talent. Uh, Tanaka for the Yankees. A lot of them given. Qualifying offers, but it's very rare that someone accepts a qualifying offer because you're pretty much taking the money for that one year deal, more money, or you can take a, you know, more long term, long term deal, more financial stability. That's what these players are playing for. That's what they're looking for. So I'd be really shocked if any of these guys, they're all expected to uh, to decline their their qualifying offer doesn't necessarily mean that they won't go back to those teams but you know it it, it is what it is but the big talk of the offseason is trevor bauer i mean trevor bauer the fact that he was watching the the playoffs with everyone just just as a fan and he would just you know when someone would mess up with the with the pitching staff he'd say hmm oakland looks like they could use a, a pitcher or oh Yankees could really use a uh uh a, a top of the top of the line starter next year. <laughs> you know, Padres, Padres are one good starter away from being a legit World Series contender. Like these were all legit tweets from Trevor Bauer during the playoffs. Such a troll. But I love it. I love his uh I love his persona, man. I love his personality. Never changed, Trevor. So the way I see it. Every single one of those teams that he listed are fair game. He's going to go where it makes more sense to him. Where would I like him to go? I wouldn't like him to go to LA. I wouldn't like him to go to the Yankees. I wouldn't like him to go to San Diego. Maybe he goes with the Blue Jays (laughs) so that he could just go away. But where does he legitly end up? I mean, there's a lot of suitors for starting pitching. You have to figure that the Yankees are in on him. You have to figure that. I mean, Trevor Bauer and Garrett Cole, that's not fair. You have to figure that the Dodgers are in on him. Walker Bueller, Trevor Bauer, Clayton Kershaw? That's not fair. You have to figure that the Padres are in on him. Lament. Clevenger. They haven't even called up Mackenzie Gore yet. You throw in Trevor Bauer. That's not fair. So where's he going to go? Well, we'll find out. (laughs) We'll find out because I know just as much as you do. There's a lot of rumors a lot of rumors about Trevor Bauer, whether he's going to stay in Cincinnati. I think that's the only thing that is for sure is that he's going to decline the qualifying offer. But do the Angels? That that's a that's an interesting one because everyone has talked about the Angels. They went out there, they got. Rendon last year to pair with Otani, with Mike Trout, with Pool Holes. Pool Holes actually might be gone. Not sure if he's gone next year or if, it's, or if it's a year after that. But the big thing for the Angels is that they don't have pitching. Does Trevor Bauer go there? He's from the LA area. Do, does he go to the Angels? go back home per se rather than go to the Yankees if he goes to LA I really I really do hope as the Angels I, I, I do not want to see him in Dodger blue it won't be that much of an eyesore either because it's just a different just a different red uniform different different logo but it'll be interesting will he end up with Trout Dodgers very much a possibility Will he end up in Toronto? We'll see. There's going to be a lot of possibilities. And we'll find out more when we get close to it. Also, one of Trevor Bauer's former teammates, Francisco Lindor, on the hot seat. Will he be traded? Because a lot of conversations are happening all across baseball is that the expectation is that Lindor will be on a new team by opening day. What team? Hell, will it be the Yankees because they lose out on DJ LeMahieu? I hope not. <laughs> you f- you figure that the Yankees are in on everyone that is in free agency. They have to be. But is out there, then they're floating out. Chris Bryant. Lolan Arenado. We'll get more into the, all those players as we get closer to the winter meetings because we might have more substantial rumors to talk about. But for now, I'm going to leave you guys with that. Have you think about it. What Who is on your wish list for your team going into the winter meetings? Go ahead and uh, and hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram at Wallizzi. Go ahead and hit me up on Facebook as well, and we'll talk about it. So, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this one. It was a little bit of a longer one, but it's been a while since the last one, so I hope you enjoyed, and we'll talk next time. We'll be getting closer and closer to the winter meetings and Thanksgiving, and I'm getting a little hungry thinking about it. (laughs) I'll talk to you guys next time. Be safe, and go Giants.